good to, good to be back, and I'm glad you're here uh, today. And I want to talk with you a little bit about something that I think, well, the th- there's nothing new under the sun, right? I mean, the things that we face today, they faced in the past. And, and, but one of the advantages that we have is that we can look in the past and we can see the things that trip people up, what God thought of it and how they responded to it, and we can learn from them. We don't have to make the same mistakes. And so one of the things that uh, I was thinking about this for this morning is Moses. You know, there's a, there's a really great chapter in the book of Isaiah where God, Isaiah is brought before the throne room of God, and he sees the holiness of God and the glory and the grandeur, and, and he is just, man, he is undone. He knows his own uh, unworthiness, and he falls before God thinking that he surely die because he is just out of place in this holy presence of God. And God says, uh, who will I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah, having been cleansed by God, basically raises his hand and says, here am I, Lord, send me. And that's the attitude that we ought to have when we come into the presence of God, we see His holiness, we, we realize how much He has forgiven us. Our response should be positive and say, Lord, if you need anything, call on me, hear my, send me. We've sung songs, written songs about that phrase, hear my, send me. Well, that's the noble side of it. There's a side that wasn't so noble. If you have your Bible, you might want to open it to Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4 because we're going to spend the the lesson there. But there was another time when God called a man to his side for his partnership. And it didn't act and it didn't come out or respond in the same fashion. When he asked Isaiah, Isaiah just said, here, my Lord, send me. But On this occasion, the children of Israel have been slaves in Egypt for a long time, and the cry from their prayers have come up to God, and he said, enough. I've had it. I'm getting you out of Egypt. And he needed a leader. And he went to a man by the name of Moses, a man who was a Hebrew. He had run, well, he had been raised 40 years in the palace of Pharaoh himself, Um, but he had since left and he was working as a shepherd for his father-in-law. And when he was out one day, a a bush was burning and Moses saw it, but the bush was not being consumed. And it was this oddity and he caught his attention and he went to it and he was watching it and he heard a voice from heaven, told him to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground and and Moses did. And, And as God begins to tell Moses... I've heard the oppression of my people. I've heard the pleas, their cries, and it's time to deliver them. And I want you to be the man to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And when he first said, I'm the Lord, Moses responded by saying, here am I. But he doesn't respond as Isaiah did, here am I, send me. When he finds out what the Lord has in mind, he says, basically, Here am I. Send Aaron. And that's what I want to talk about. The excuses that Moses makes in in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, you know, let's look at them. And I understand why he said what he said. Because I've made the same ones. 
And the same things that Moses said to get out of work that God wanted him to do are the same things that we're saying today to get out of the work that God needs for us to do. And so maybe by looking back, it's easier to see in someone else. Isn't it the case, though, when you look at different people, you, you watch the way they're behaving, and, and when you do, you see, like, oh, boy, that's not very attractive. Well, that wasn't very nice. It's easy to see in other people when they're not being very nice, but we may do the same things, and, and we don't see how, how rude or how inconsiderate those very same actions are. So let's, let's take a look. Let's go back and look at Moses and then see what application we can make to our life. But in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, there are several excuses that are made by Moses as to why he shouldn't go, somebody else should go. And the first excuse that he offers uh, that we're going to talk about is in Exodus chapter 3 and look at verse 13. Moses said in this passage, and Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What's his name? What shall I say? He said, Okay, let's, let's just suppose I'm going to go ahead and do what you asked, and, and I'm going to go for you. All right, so I go, and I go to the children of Israel, and I say, The God of your fathers has sent me to deliver you out of the bondage you're in. And they say, oh, yeah? Well, just what is our God's name? And Moses says, what do I say then? What if they ask me, basically, what if they ask me a question that I do not know how to answer? What am I going to say? Does that sound familiar? We have a great commission given to us by God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How many times have we been told to take this message of good news to the lost and, and we can live a lifetime studying the Bible, going to church, and we don't study with people? Uh, what's our excuse for that? What do we, well, the reason I don't study with people is because I don't know all the answers. What if they ask me something I don't know how to answer? That's what Moses said. God called Moses to go talk to the people, tell them, you have been sent. And he says, yeah, but what if they ask this question? I won't know how to answer. And God has told us, go speak to the people about the grace of God, the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. And we say, well, I would, but what if they ask me something I don't know how to answer? Well, you know, God provided an answer for Moses, took away his excuse. He said, tell them that the I am sent you. So he doesn't have a, 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 a you know, I can't use that one anymore because he took that one away from me. He told me who to tell them sent him. And really, you know what we do? I think this excuse, maybe we need to look at a passage a little closer. Turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Keep your place in Exodus, but I want you to see a verse that I have often heard used in a way that I think is really a, a misapplication of that verse. The Bible tells us that we ought always to be able to give an answer to everyone who asks us the reason of the hope that is within us. And we're to answer them with fear and meekness. In other words, whenever somebody asks us a question about the hope that is within us, we, we, we should be equipped to give an answer. And somebody might say, well, you know, I, I just, I'm not there yet. I, I can't answer 
You know, what if somebody asks me what that mark of the beast is? I, I don't know what that mark of the beast is. I hadn't studied that much, so I can't go out and talk to people yet because I don't know what I'd say. And what if somebody asked me um, how old Adam looked a second after he was created? Was he 20? Was he 30 looking? Was he 40 looking? What if they asked me something I don't know how to answer? What if they asked me about that beast that comes out of the water or the beast that comes out of the sea in the book of Revelation? I don't know what to tell them about that. And they may ask me, so what am I going to tell them? I can't go talk to people if I don't know how to answer their questions. And after all, you know, doesn't this passage say we, we need to be able to get, give an answer? Well, listen, this passage, because you can't answer every question, this, what does this passage say? Look closer. We, this passage says that we ought always to be able to give an, an answer to those who ask every question they can possibly think of. That's not what it says. We ought to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Now, I can do that. And you can too if you're a Christian. Why do you have hope as a Christian? Because you've obeyed the gospel. You've done it so you can tell somebody what you've done. What you've done. You can tell somebody, well, I place my faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and our Savior. I turned from my sin. I was baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. And I'm living in His kingdom, trying my best to walk in His footsteps. You can tell people that. And that's, that's what the passage is talking about. Why do you have the hope that you have? We can all answer that. Sure, there are going to be questions that people ask us I don't know how to answer. And you know what you do when you run into that? You say, good question. I don't know. But maybe we can study together and find the answer if God gives an answer. Not every question has an answer. God hasn't chosen to reveal all things. Uh, how old was Adam? One second after he was created, well, he's one second old, but how old did he look? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I know he was mature. So there's no sense in really going down that road and spending a whole lot of energy on something the Bible doesn't tell us, and there's no way we can know. But I don't have all the answers. Well, who does? Who will go for God and speak for God if you have to have all the answers? Because I don't know anybody here that does. Would you raise your hand if you do? Uh, I don't think anybody's going to raise their hand. So, excuse number one by Moses, I don't think I know enough. What if they ask me something I can't answer? God says, here's what you tell them, let's move on. Well, God took away that excuse, and so Moses makes another one up. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1, and here's the second excuse he makes. He makes, well, I, I may not be respected. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. All right, Lord, I can't go to them because when I go to them, they're going to ask me, who sent you? And I'm going to tell them, and... Well, what if they don't believe me when I tell them? Then, then what? I, I may not be respected. They may not listen to me. And, well, have you ever said that too? I can't. Who am I to tell a person what they need to do with their life? I, I don't know what authority I have or right, right I have to, <clears throat> to, to push my views 
about life and eternity on somebody else. Who am I to tell another person how to live their life? You know what? The good thing is you don't have to be anybody because the authority doesn't rest in you. It rests in the Word of God. You're just the vehicle for it. In Romans 1 and verse 16, the Bible says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the message of God that demands respect. So what if they don't respect you? Will they listen to the word of God? We're not doing what we're doing to get respect, but it's the word of God that we want respected. And, and Moses need to understand that. Moses, this isn't about you. You go tell them what I want them to hear. I'll take care of the, the proof, the necessary evidences. And God did, if you'll recall, to demonstrate that he was sent from God. And do you not think that God has made such arrangement and provision for us as well? I mean, we're not left defenseless. Who am I to just go up to people and tell them how to live their life? What, why would they believe me? God, in his word has given sufficient evidence to convince men to follow. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, the thing we need to do is what is told us there. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. You just stick with what God says. Let his authority bear weight on their life. Let his evidences for his own self-defense take place, and uh, that'll be sufficient. Well, a third excuse that Moses makes is in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I, have, I, I, am not an, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Well, Moses says, I don't have enough ability. And even if you couple that with an excuse made, and I didn't mention it, but in chapter 3 and verse 11, you know, who am I? If you couple these two together, um, who am I? I? I don't have the ability to do this. I, I'm slow to speak. I can't talk. You, how am I going to go to the king of Egypt and make this deliver? I am not eloquent of speech. I am slow of speech. Can't do it. Well, two things about that. Number one... It just wasn't true. Moses wouldn't be the first person to not tell the truth to God. A lot of people still lie to God. But if you look at what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, concerning Moses by inspiration, you remember that sermon that he preached that got himself stoned after he preached it? Stephen said that Moses was, was trained by the Egyptians and we know that he was raised in the house of, of Pharaoh. He was trained in languages, and he was eloquent. This guy could speak. And now he's saying to God, oh, I can't talk. I'm slow at speech. By inspiration, Stephen tells us that just wasn't so. But here's another thing. It's okay. And this is, this is what's so good. This is the good news. It's okay. You don't have to be a good speaker. Because we've used the same, oh, I can't, I can't ever do that. I, I'm not a good speaker. It, it's not about you. It's about the message. The power is not in the medium, but in the message. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, do you remember what the Apostle Paul said? The thing that I've been preaching to you, the message that I've brought, it has not been with uh, the wisdom of man's words. It's not been with eloquency. And Paul said, I'm not an eloquent speaker. But you know what? He didn't have to be because what he was speaking was the Word of God. And that's what convicts and that's what touches people's hearts. And it's not in my performance. It's in the words, the power of the gospel. Moses didn't need to be a good speaker to do what God said because he was going to go speak the words of God, not his own words. And we too, we we don't have to be eloquent. If we speak the truth, that'll register in the hearts of men and women who are honest truth seekers. And then look at the last excuse that Moses offers. It's excuse number four, and it's in chapter four and verse 13. And in this passage, it says, but he said, oh, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Now we're down to hear my send Aaron. Um, Really, you get to the heart of the thing. Moses just doesn't want to do it. He's tried to find, and don't you find, hey, how about coming over to my house next week? Oh, well, I'll have to check my schedule. Well, let's check it while you're standing there. Yeah, it's open. It's free. But, you know, there may be some things come up. I was, I don't know, but, well, you know, we can stand there and we can make excuse after excuse after excuse why I don't want to just give you an answer right now because I don't want to do it, but I don't want to tell you I don't want to do it. And so I come up with real quick excuses off the cuff. I had a lady tell me one time it was the dead of winter. It was in January. And I went to her house. She, had been, she hadn't been to church in three or four months. And I went to her house and I said, you know, what's, what's going on? What, what, what's, I hadn't seen you in quite a while. And she said, well, uh, uh, it was a really hot summer. Yeah, summers are usually hot, you know. What did that have to do with going? It was hot in the summer. That's why she wasn't at church in January. But that's the first thing that came to her mind, apparently. And she just let it blurt out that one excuse is as good as another. Moses has offered excuse after excuse after excuse, and God has answered every single one of them. And finally, we really get right down to the heart of it. He just doesn't want to do it. He just says, send anyone else. Just leave me alone. I don't want to. And so God says, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. You are going to go for me, but I'll send Aaron. You say you can't speak, Aaron can, and he'll speak. He'll be your mouthpiece, but you're going to go and you're going to do what I need you to do. And so he did. And, uh, of course, the rest is history. And I think what Moses was trying to say is um, there are other people that are better than me for the job. You know what? There probably always will be. Do you not think that in a place like this where you've got preachers everywhere, do you not think the thought has never crossed my mind, what am I doing up here? James Meadows is sitting right here. You know, how can I teach a class? How can I preach a sermon when there are better qualified people who can do a much better job? I understand that, but that's not a reason not to do it. There are, there are women who can make a better pie than you can. Don't stop making those pies for your preacher. You know, just keep, keep that up, you know. Um, 
there, there are people that can do whatever it is that you do. There are people that can do that just a little bit better than you. That's okay. And, and I hope that they'll do those things. God doesn't have to have the very best to do what he needs done. He can take, and he did it over and over again through Scripture. He just takes ordinary, average, run-of-the-mill kind of people and with his power and with his partnership, look at what they were able to accomplish. Yeah, there are people more qualified than you to talk to your neighbor. But that's no excuse not to do it. There are people more qualified to you, than you than to minister to those who are sick and those who are lonely. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You're always going to find somebody that is more qualified than you. But God needs you anyway. You remember what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 20? Uh, Jesus said, you know, I, I didn't come to, serve, or to be served, but I, I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And he said, you know, and if you want to be great in the kingdom, the greatest in the kingdom is the, the one who is servant of all. I don't have to be the best servant. I just need to be a servant. And I need to volunteer and offer up to God whatever it is that I can do in whatever capacity and whatever um, degree that I can do it. Just give it to God and use it and let Him use you in whatever it is that He calls you to. At the end of the day, Moses makes at least four if you parse a couple, five excuses in uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse in chapter 4, God took every one of them away. And it, right, it got right down to it where Moses just had to say, I don't want to. And God changed his mind. Moses changed his mind, and he did what God needed done. And uh, because of it, great things were accomplished. Now, let's bring it to us. We can see it in Moses and we can look and say, oh, Moses, come on, who do you think you're fooling? You're talking to God. You can't fool God. You can't make excuses to God. He knows. He sees. It's not like your teacher at school where you say this happened or that happened and they don't know whether it did or not. And You can't pull something over on God. We sit back and we look at him and we can judge him accordingly and it's easy to do. And then it comes to us. What do we do? Oh, I can't do that. No, I'm not qualified. There's somebody better that can do that. I, I'm not the best person for that job. I, I'll let somebody else do that. I, I, well, what if they say, and we make our excuses, and the God in heaven is looking at us like he did Moses and saying, there's an answer for that. That's not valid. And here's the point. Moses had direct communication to God, and he, he had this face-to-face -face with God, and he corrected himself. We don't get that kind of face-to-face -face until the judgment, and then it's going to be too late. I'm just going to tell you this. God needs you. He needs you to be a representative of His on this planet where so many people are lost and groping in darkness, and they can't find a way. And you have the light of the gospel. He needs you to lead people to him who want to escape the darkness of sin and to enjoy the light 
of eternal life. He needs you. You can make excuses, but at the end of the day, you have to answer to God, your Creator, the one who knows every thought and intent of your heart. So we might as well, like Moses, come clean and say, I've been wrong. I need to make myself available to you. And folks, listen, if you haven't been available to God, why don't you make that decision today to start today? I want to belong to him. I want to be used by him. Here am I. Don't send my brother Aaron. Send me. If that's you, we'll pray with you to that end. If you want the prayers of your brethren to help you to to step up to the call and to the challenge of discipleship, we'll pray with you. And if you're not yet a Christian but you want to become one today, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, we'll assist you in that this morning. Won't you come as we stand together and sing?